3: I'm going to tell you some really weird stuff that I experienced over the past few months. So, it all started when I got a new job about six months ago. There was a reason that I resigned from my previous job. I used to date one of my coworkers named Natasha. It was all great fun until I found out her truth. She'd been lying to me the whole time. She wasn't even my coworker. In fact, she didn't even have a job. She had faked everything just to get close to me. I was really creeped out by how she was able to infiltrate the company and pretend to be an employee there. Honestly, it was partially our manager's fault. He was a lazy, absent-minded guy. It was only when the higher-ups paid us a visit that we got to know Natasha's truth. She really had all of us fooled. Why did you even do that? I asked her after everything was revealed. Well, I'd been observing you for quite some time, and I really wanted to talk to you, she replied as if it was no big deal. You see, I've always liked you, Matt. I still do. I took a step away from her, observing me. Were you stalking me, Natasha? Wait, is Natasha even your real name? Yes, Natasha is my real name, she immediately said. I know it looks like I stalked you, but trust me, I just wanted to get close. There was a whole lot of drama after that, and Natasha was even arrested. But after talking it out with my colleagues and with the company's agreement, I decided to give her another chance. Not a chance as in dating her again. No, that was out of the question. I let her go with a warning. Don't ever try to follow me or talk to me again. I told her I'm kind enough to not sue you just get out of sight and maybe find a job a real one well that was the last time I talked to her she had begged and cried and but I just I couldn't see myself with her after that incident I resigned from my job that company was no good Natasha had been there quite some time and they didn't even know she was a fake Plus, I was worried about my security. I decided it was better just to move and get a new job. And that's how I got this job at a multinational company. My boss, Ruby, was a really good looking, smart woman. She was nothing like my previous manager, and that gave me a lot of relief. She was strict with deadlines and performance, and could be gentle and kind when needed. What I'm trying to say is that she had all the qualities of a boss and I really liked her. I mean, not romantically, of course. My job was treating me really well, and all my co-workers were warm and welcoming. One of my colleagues, Olivia, was really kind to me in particular. She'd made sure that I didn't face any problems in learning the new stuff and even helped me mingle with the others. It was because of Olivia that I often went to dinners with my colleagues after work. She would always invite me, and when I wasn't able to join her for some reason, she would wait for me. Yes, this is exactly what it looks like. I think it's safe to say that both of us liked each other, but neither of us ever admitted it out loud. I wasn't ready for a relationship anyway. My memories of Natasha were still fresh in my mind, and I wanted to spend some more time with Olivia before getting into anything serious. One day Ruby called me to her cabin, and told me that I was to join her for a business trip. Sure, I replied. Who else is coming? She frowned at me. No one. But if you want, we can bring one more employee. Well, I wasn't about to let that opportunity pass. I suggested Olivia's name. Ruby gave me a weird look. Why her? She asked seriously. Um because she was the one who mostly helped me with the reports and presentations, so she knows the best, I said nervously. Ruby nodded. Okay, fine then. And that is how two days later we were seated on a 17-hour flight together. I realized something was wrong the moment I arrived at the airport. We were taking a company's private airplane, so there was no one else in the flight besides Ruby, Olivia, the air hostess, and me. Awkward doesn't even begin to cover it. I was stuck in a seat between Ruby and Olivia. We had to sit like that because we had to discuss some things on the documents, but this was hella uncomfortable. Not to mention, I couldn't spot a single guy on the flight. And the air hostesses were super flirty. One of them came to ask us if we wanted anything. She brought everything that I had asked for, but when Olivia asked for something, She refused rudely. So, how about a sandwich? Olivia asked her. You just brought one for Matt. I'm sure you have more. Sorry, that was the last sandwich we had, the hostess replied. Ruby snorted. Looks like you'll have to starve, Olivia. My eyes widened. Why was Ruby being like this? I shook my head and offered my own sandwich to Olivia. She refused at first, but Had to take it when I insisted. Ruby rolled her eyes and ordered her own food. The hostess didn't refuse this time. It was clear that she was afraid of the boss. But seriously, what the hell was happening? Was this even allowed? A few hours later, Olivia fell asleep on my shoulder. Ruby noticed and gave her a very displeased look. Um, do you have something against Olivia? I asked her. It seems like you're not too fond of her. Ruby averted her gaze and stared out the window. Let's just say I don't exactly get along with her. I didn't ask anything else. It seemed like they shared a history, and I didn't want to ruin the mood right now. Later, the air hostess, whose name I didn't bother to memorize, came back with a tea. She was passing the cup to Ruby when Olivia suddenly pushed her hand and the tea spilt all over Ruby. She shrieked, and I gave her a panicked look. Oh God, you need to wash up with cold water or it'll burn, I said, and immediately got up to lead her to the washroom. Olivia grabbed my hand before I could leave, though. I turned to her in question. Where are you going? She asked. I think Ruby can clean up the mess herself, so why don't you sit down? Was she for real? Ruby glared at her and left for the washroom while I stared at Olivia in disbelief. Did you do that on purpose? I asked. What? She asked innocently. You spilled the tea on purpose, I said. I was watching everything. You raised your hand unnecessarily. Olivia shrugged. Maybe I did it on purpose. But so what? Didn't you see the way she was mocking me earlier? I was just giving her what she deserved. How old are you, Olivia? I exclaimed in disbelief. What you just did was really immature. I don't know what's going on between the two of you, but you could have ended up seriously hurting her. I had never expected this from Olivia. She'd always been so kind and angelic. Now I was seeing a completely different side of her. Why do you care? She muttered. What? Why do you care whether she gets hurt or not? She asked. It's called basic humanity, I replied. But seriously, it feels like I'm wasting my time talking to you. By then, Ruby returned. She had changed her dress. I asked her if she was okay, and she nodded. Then she turned to glare at Olivia. I will let this one go, Ruby said. But if you ever pull that kind of stunt again, I will fire you without a second thought. You better learn to differentiate between your personal and professional matters. While all of this was happening, the hostess who brought the tea was standing in a corner smirking to herself. I shot her a look and she immediately sobered up. I'm pretty sure she would have spilled the tea herself, even if Olivia hadn't pushed her. What a weirdo. I couldn't wait for this flight to end. We weren't even halfway and I was already exhausted. I don't know when I dozed off, but when my eyes opened, I saw that Olivia and Ruby had moved to different seats. I finally had some breathing space. I was about to do some stretching when an air hostess walked up to me. Hi, Matt. Long time no see, she said. I looked up to see her face, and my body completely froze. What the hell was Natasha doing here?
4: I'm Alvin. Like most days, I got off the school bus and walked two blocks to the kindergarten where my mom works. As usual, I stood waiting for her at the front of the building. On that day, though, a man came from nowhere, grabbed my backpack, and ran away with it. Hey! That's my math homework you're stealing! I yelled after him. There's nothing of value to even steal! The man disappeared around the corner. Distraught, I slumped down and continued waiting for my mother. That's the price you pay for living here. Things like this happen all of the time. My mom finally got off work at 5 p.m. Someone stole my math homework while I was waiting for you, I told her. Just like me, she'd gotten used to it. You're lucky. Someone stole all four tires from a client's car today, she said laughing. (laughs) We continued chatting while walking to our fake home. You heard that right. I said fake. You'll figure out what I mean in a moment. You see, this old and rather dilapidated house goes with the rest of the neighborhood. After about 10 minutes, we made it to our fake home. My mom made herself a coffee as we waited for my dad until 6pm. After my dad came home from work, we spent another hour waiting impatiently. Then, we hurried around the house, closing the curtains so our neighbors wouldn't see us. From the moment the curtains closed every evening, we'd live as we truly are, like rich people. We went down to the basement of our fake home. My dad turned on the facial recognition system. We turned our faces to the hidden cameras. As soon as the system identified us, the secret door in our basement opened. The secret door revealed a 5.4 mile long tunnel. It's actually a subway line that belongs to my parents and me. We use this unique subway every night to reach our real home. After a short ride, we made it to our mansion. Our property is enclosed by 13 feet high walls. During the day, there are hundreds of people working here, maintaining the grounds. Maids, drivers, cooks, and gardeners. The staff leaves at 6.30 p.m. We arrive after they're gone, and it's only us at the mansion. We walked into the dining hall. We filled our plates with food from the buffet and sat down. The best chefs in the world cook a hundred different dishes every night. My dad asked, How was your day, son? Someone stole my backpack as I was waiting for Mom. I had my math homework in that backpack. I need to do it all over again, I replied. Dad smiled. Bummer. I'm free tonight if you need help, he said. Dad, I hate hiding the fact that we're rich. Horrible things keep happening to us in that neighborhood, and they always will. Alvin, we talked about this so many times. We have to live this way. We have no choice but to adapt, he replied, frowning. Yes, we had talked about this many times. Yet, I still didn't understand why we had to hide that we were the wealthiest family in the world. My grandfather had won the biggest jackpot of all time from the lottery. On the way to claim his winnings, he and my grandmother got in a car accident. My grandmother died instantly. My grandfather fell ill in his grief. So he hired a lawyer to get his affairs in order, and found an investment advisor. I'm not going to touch this money. Invest with it as you like. I want my son to benefit from it in the future he said. The advisor was very good at his job. He built hotels and shopping malls worldwide, and bought shares in gold and diamonds, and stakes in many successful companies. My grandfather's lottery winnings grew exponentially, reaching billions of dollars. When my grandfather died, my parents inherited all his wealth. For some reason, we have to hide it. We pretend to live in the lowest-income neighborhood of our city. We can only enjoy the privileges of being wealthy when we're in the mansion. I've been putting up with this for years because my parents want me to, but I've had it. I want to live my best life 24 hours a day. It's my (laughs) birthright. I thought about everything that night, and came up with an idea. If I made sure my friends at school knew about how rich we were, they would definitely tell their friends and families. Word would spread like wildfire, and all kinds of people would know about our fortune. Then my parents would have to concede that it was impossible to hide any longer and we could start living the high life every day. I put my plan into motion the next day without hesitation. To start, I decided to tell two people, Nancy and Justin. I can't really say that I like them. I think they're super obnoxious, but they both were pretty popular in school and loved gossiping. Thanks to them, my family's secret would be out in no time. After lunch, I called both of them to the schoolyard and cut to the chase. I'm going to share my family's biggest secret with you. They were both stunned. I'm not kidding what I'm about to tell you, so you've got to trust me, I said. I had to muster up the courage to keep speaking. Nancy and Justin waited with anticipation. They both stared at me intensely. My family is the richest family in the world, and I'm the richest kid in the world, I said. My friends just stared at each other. Then they both (laughs) burst out laughing. If I'm honest, that's the reaction I was expecting. You don't believe me, and you have every reason not to. I'm going to ask you to come with me. What I'm about to show you is sure to convince you, I said. You better find other people to mess around with, Justin groaned. Nancy was all in. Alvin looks dead serious, she said, and I'm curious about what's happening here. I couldn't take my friends to our fake home because I didn't know how to operate the facial recognition system. That being the case, I wouldn't be able to open the secret door. That's why I decided to take them to the mansion in broad daylight. It would be my first time entering my own house from the front door. But first, I had to convince the security detail posted outside. There was a gigantic iron door at the entrance, and a security booth for the guards. Nancy and Justin stared in disbelief, first at the majestic door, then at the towering walls. One of the guards came out of the booth. Kids, this is private property. Please leave, he said. I told the guard, you don't know me, but I live here. I want to show our house to my friends, I said. I'm not in the mood for jokes, kid. Move along, please, he groaned. My room is on the third floor, I said, trying to convince him. There's a MacBook on my bed right now. I binge-watched Netflix until late last night. I can list off every show to prove it to you. Take us up there. Son, you're a fool if you think you can play me like that. I'll have to make a citizen's arrest for trespassing if you don't leave now, he responded. Justin turned to me. Alvin... I don't know if this is your idea of a prank, but I'm not getting in trouble because of some weird lie. This guy seems pretty serious. Let's get out of here before he puts us in a chokehold or something, he said. I decided to play my last card. I'm going to tell my father about this. If you don't want to lose your job, let us in. This is my house, I screamed. At the last second, the iron gate started opening. A luxury car with dark windows was leaving the property. It stopped where we stood. The black backseat window came down. The person inside looked out and asked, What seems to be the problem here? The security guard said, Sir, this kid says he lives here. The man looked at me condescendingly. You certainly do not live here. This is my private property, and I have two daughters, no son. He said. Let's go, he commanded the driver, rolling up his window. I just stood there, shocked. He's lying. This is our house, I murmured. Justin and Nancy looked at each other nervously. Nancy said, And to think I believed you, even for a second. Justin nodded. Called it. They turned around and started walking back. I was sure that everyone at school would find out about what happened. This mansion was my home. Who was that man? Knowing it was useless to insist, I went back to my family's run-down, fake house. When I walked into the house, I saw my parents waiting impatiently for me. They both looked upset. Obviously. They knew what had happened. My mom said, Alvin, we watched you and your friends on the security camera. What you did was incredibly reckless. I had tears pouring down my face. You're right, mom. I'm so sorry. But who was that man? Don't we own the mansion? I asked. My dad said, Of course we do. That man is a professional actor. Staff at the mansion think he owns the house. It's another precaution we had to take so that no one would suspect what's going on. Dad, why do we have to take so many precautions? Why are we hiding our real selves from the world? I really want to know!" I pleaded. My dad looked at my mom, who nodded at him before turning to me. We hid some things from you to protect you. We knew we'd have to tell you one day, but we were worried about your mental health. Dad said, pausing. He looked back at my mom again. She nodded for him to go on. Then she started crying, softly. My dad took a deep breath and began to explain. We used to be the family you always wanted us to be. You weren't born yet. We had a daughter named Betty. Everyone knew how rich we were, which made our lives incredibly difficult. We used to go everywhere with an army of guards. We all had to wear bulletproof vests. Then something awful happened. Someone managed to kidnap your sister. They demanded we give them a hundred million dollars as ransom. We said yes, of course. But they never released her, even though we gave them the money. The police were sure it was because Betty had seen their faces. This was a massive trauma for us. After that, your mom and I made a decision. We moved to the inner city and set up this life to hide our wealth. We lost our daughter. We couldn't protect her. We don't want to lose our son too. (laughs) Alvin, all this is for you. This is the only way to live a quiet life away from danger. Now I knew everything. I hugged my dad. My mom got up and joined us. We all cried for Betty for a while. I'm really sorry about today. I didn't know you were trying to protect me. I will be careful from now on, I said. From that day on, I made mom and dad a promise to live humbly during the day and never tell anyone again.
2: Some kids wish for the latest consoles. Some kids want expensive shoes. I've only ever really wished for one thing. Every night, I climb up to the roof and wait for a shooting star. I make a wish that I could have a family. Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm an orphan. I know my wish is an impossible one, because not even a genie could bring my parents back, so I doubt Santa can. Life as an orphan was tough. I lived with my aunt for as long as I can remember and she only took me in because she was my only family. She doesn't particularly like me. All she ever does is make me do the household chores and serve her boyfriend as if I was the butler. I got made fun of at school. Nobody wanted to hang out and make friends with me. Kids teased me for being an orphan. There was a group of three boys who particularly relished in pushing me around. Hey, look! It's Orphan Boy! What you got for lunch, orphan boy? <laughs> Probably nothing. He's got no mom to cook for him. <laughs> nice one, Max. He's so weird. Even his parents couldn't stand being around too long. <laughs> Those boys would torment me daily. I never felt safe. I never had peace. Most of the time, they'd just yell insults at me. But sometimes, when they're really bored, they'd drag me outside and throw balls at me until they got tired. Sometimes, they'd gather the other kids and they'd make me fight as if we were in a boxing ring. I never want to. But somehow, they can just push the right buttons, and I would eventually throw a punch. As soon as I do, I was in trouble. Because even our teachers had it out for me. I had never started a fight. And yet, every time a teacher found out what we'd been up to, I'd be the one to take the blame. He's a problem child. Must be because he has no parents. He's always causing trouble. Honestly, orphans should have school just for them. Makes the other children uncomfortable being around kids like that. He'll no doubt become a criminal when he grows up. I decided... I was done with trying to reason with my tormentors. I decided to fight back. But I fought back with kindness. When they insulted me, I'd say, Have a nice day! When they dragged me outside to hit me, I would smile at them and say, Thank you! And when they got me into trouble, and I had to go into detention, I would tell them that I look forward to seeing them again tomorrow. At first, it made things worse. They kept trying and trying to break me. But as time went on, I broke them. Fight back! Fight back, you stupid orphan! Meh. I'm bored now. He's no fun anymore. (sighs) Me too. He's lame. It was during one of those times when the guys tried to get a rise out of me, and I refused that I met Holly. Can't you just leave him alone? All you guys do is pick on people who don't fight back. Why don't you try someone who will? Holly faced the guys off, her fists held high and ready to fight. But Max, Dalton, and Fred didn't plan on fighting a girl. (laughs) Because if they did, they'd be in a world of trouble. Holly was always by my side from that point on. She rescued me. She even got in a shouting match with a teacher that was picking on me. That got her suspended. I thought I'd be with her forever. I was certain that I'd propose to her on graduation day. But before we could even celebrate our first anniversary, I had to leave. I was adopted. More like bought. Some mysterious family offered to take me off of Aunt Cassie's hands, and she agreed. She only told me the day that the guy was going to pick me up. I never got to say goodbye to Holly. My new parents were an older couple. They'd tried for many, many years to have a baby, but they were never blessed. They grew old, and they thought they'd never try again. It was only pure luck that the wife overheard my aunt complaining about having to raise someone else's kid. My new life is nothing like the old one. In that house, I was loved. I felt it. I was loved very much. They gave me everything I could ever need. I was given freedom to spend as much or as little as I wanted. I got my own humongous room. And they gifted me an entire room full of toys. Mom's name is Tara, and Dad's called Andre. We all live in a mansion. I started going to a really fancy boarding school. They got me a really pretty tutor to help me catch up with my grades, too. Unfortunately, the tutor was so distracting with her beauty that my grades barely improved. I got to make new friends who didn't judge me for being adopted. We would have parties and camping trips. It was on one of those trips that my world turned upside down. Once more. As my boys and I were driving down the boulevard of a popular beach town, I saw her, her hair as familiar as it was many years ago. "'Holly!' She looked back, and for a second, she didn't recognize me. And then, she came running towards me, leaping into the air. I caught her and she embraced me tight, kissed. "'I... I can't believe it. it... it, it's really you!' laughed. (laughs) "'Yeah! And... it's really you!' It was a glorious two and a half weeks. I was living an amazing life. And now, the only piece missing, my girlfriend, was back. Couldn't have asked for more. But all things come to an end. And and eventually, I was going to find out the truth anyway. Because as much as Holly would make it seem like we totally just bumped into each other, she actually followed my movement for months. She had someone spy on me so she'd know exactly where I was. Exactly two weeks and three days from reconnecting with her, things began to take a turn. One morning, I woke up to Holly screaming. She she was on the phone. Help! Help! Please! It's on my bed! Please, hurry! Send as many people as you can! Blinked my eyes open and looked at her curiously. What's happening, babe? Are you okay? Why are you screaming? Holly put the phone down and looked at me with annoyance in her face. You are so dumb. You better go run before the cops catch you here. And only a few minutes later, the door to my apartment burst open. Freeze! Police! Didn't know why, but I froze involuntarily. But as soon as I did, the policewoman's gaze fell on me. Ma'am, get behind me! Are you alright? Are you safe? Help me, officer! Wait, why are you alone? Don't you have backup? Miss, just behind me, and I'll make sure this guy gets out of your apartment. D- your apartment? Cops reached for her handcuffs. S- Sir, you would please calmly come with me down to the station. B- what Why? I reached for my phone. But the officer thought I was pulling a weapon out, and so she tackled me to the ground. We rolled around for a bit. I was extremely confused why that was happening, but then she won, and I was carted off to the station without knowing what I did wrong. She must have put me out like a light. When I woke up, I was already in a cell, and the cop who took me into custody was looking down on me. There was a light shining down, and she looked like an angel with a halo. "'Am I in the afterlife?' cop laughed. "'You're in the Will County's PD's jail cells, so it's a little worse than that.'" She was funny, and as I looked up again, I noticed how beautiful she was. Anyway, as soon as I got there, I realized one thing. Holly had told the authorities that I was a stalker of hers, and that my apartment was hers. She told them I had been following her for days, and that just last night I sneaked into her apartment. Didn't know yet why she did that, but I had my suspicions. I explained my side to Trish, and somehow she heard me out. It'll be really easy to find out who's telling the truth. Just please look up the title deed at the registrar's office. See who really owns that apartment. And Trish did. When she came back, she had no words. She just looked down and let me go. I'm really, really sorry. Let me at least escort you home. I let her. Of course I did. I would have given anything just to spend a bit more time with her. When we got to my apartment, I was less than surprised that there was nothing left there. Holly stripped it bare. It turned out... Holly just wanted me out of there so she could get away with stealing everything in my house. She must have heard somewhere that I was loaded now, and she wanted a piece of it. What a stupid girl, I remember thinking. If she stayed with me, she could have taken me for my money's worth over the years. Instead, she resorted to straight-up simple theft. Well, that was good for me because at least now I know that I will never let Holly sink her teeth into me ever again. Trish apologized again, but this time, she had an idea. I feel really guilty for locking you up. I can only apologize to you by putting this right. I promise I will hunt her down, and I will return everything she took from you. Holly was not at all hard to track down. She was trying to sell my stuff on Facebook Nook Marketplace with her actual account. So, we burst into the doors of a trailer that she had parked outside a shopping center. And there, strewn across the floor, were all the valuables she stole from me. Luckily, she hadn't yet convinced anyone to buy any of them. Why'd you steal from me, Holly? Holly was mad. Because you left me all alone! Here you are living this fancy life, while for years, I didn't know what happened to you! You owe me at least this much money for the suffering I went through. That was when I took out a small camera I was wearing. Gotcha! What? Actually, we had no warrant to search your trailer. But now that you've confessed to stealing all this on camera, Trish here can arrest you now. Trish cuffed Holly. She smiled at me. Now? I've returned everything she stole from you. I smiled back. Not all of it. What about my heart? It was a really cheesy line, but it worked. Because while she was cuffing Holly, Trish leaned into me and kissed me. How about now? Holly writhed in disgust. Or envy. Or probably both. Because the very same cop she used to frame me so she could steal from me was now the very same cop who was crushing on me.
4: I'm Dave. Fifteen minutes into our latest math exam, the teacher suddenly started screaming. How dare you cheat in my class! Unacceptable! At first, I didn't realize he was talking to me, until I looked up. I was speechless. I was shocked. Mr. Wilson, I'm not cheating! I stuttered, my voice trembling. What makes you think that I am? I've been watching you since we started. You keep looking at your friends' papers. You're cheating!" he roared, grabbing my paper. I'm not going to report this to school administration, he continued with a (laughs) smirk on his face. But if I catch you again, I won't be so easy on you. They'll see you expelled if this happens again. That smirk. I knew that horrible condescending smile. Mr. Wilson had done it again, He found something else to add to the list of things he could use to threaten me, use his leverage to keep me as his errand boy. Mr. Wilson came to our school at the beginning of the year. I met him during the summer break before school started when he moved in next door to my house. My mom had prepared a fantastic cookie plate, as she does for every new neighbor. We went to say hello. That day, I found out that Mr. Wilson was a math teacher. His wife had also been a teacher for years, but she had retired. They didn't have any children. At the end of the visit, Mr. Wilson said, We sometimes need help around the house. Dave, you'd be willing to help out, wouldn't you? Of course, sir. Please don't hesitate to ask me, I replied. (laughs) At first, I was happy to help out, but the Wilsons kept asking me until I was doing practically everything for them. Dave, could you wash the car, please? Dave, could you throw out the trash? Dave, do you mind mowing the lawn? It wasn't long before polite requests turned into barking orders. Dave, I called you ten minutes ago. Where are you? Take the trash out now. Dave, you still haven't washed the car? I'm late for work because of you. Hurry up. At this point, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I started making excuses and avoiding their calls. But when school started, my heart sank. My assigned math teacher was Mr. Wilson. He started using every opportunity to threaten me, including false accusations of cheating on my tests. In exchange for not reporting me to the principal, I had to keep doing their chores at home. I didn't have a choice. We hold a garage sale in our neighborhood the first week of May every year. People who want to do a little spring cleaning sell their old clothes, kitchen utensils, books, and furniture. Mrs. Wilson called me the day before the garage sale, asking me to put their old stuff into cardboard boxes. She kept ordering me around for hours. When she was done, she said, Don't forget to come early tomorrow morning and take these boxes out to the front yard. I did what she asked me to do before leaving for school the next morning. My mom never really sells our old stuff. For some reason, she's always (laughs) been more into buying from the neighbors. When I got back home from school, I saw that our front yard was filled with boxes. My mom said, Honey, I got some fabulous stuff from the neighborhood yard sale. Will you help me carry these boxes inside? I was exhausted, but I didn't want to say no to my mom. She just seemed so excited. (laughs) Dave, look at this umbrella. It's got to be brand new. Oh, how about this? Miss Renee's brooch, at least 50 years old. Oh, and I didn't forget about you either. Apparently, Julene is a huge Stephen King fan. There's a box full of his books in the corner over there. Julene? I interrupted, surprised. You mean Mrs. Wilson? I helped pack every box for her yard sale. I didn't see any of these books. My mom shrugged. Julene said they were all Stephen King. Why don't you take them with you to your room? Before going to bed that night, I couldn't stop thinking about the books from Mrs. Wilson. I got up and opened the box. Sure enough, most of them were old Stephen King novels. I'd never read most of them, so I began to look through them one by one. Among the books, there was a notebook. Flipping through its pages, it contained a lot of notes in an alphabet I didn't recognize. Then I remembered that the Google Translate app can translate from an image. We relied on it pretty heavily when reading road signs during a family vacation in Cuba. I went on Google Translate, took a picture of the page, and searched the language. Turns out, the words in the notebook were Russian, but the translation didn't seem to make any sense. You have to be careful while buying an apple. Apples are blue. There's a goat behind you. What in the world could that mean? Was Google messing up the translation? I photographed another page. Still, nothing made any sense. An old printed photograph fell into my lap as I opened the next page. The young man in the photo resembled Mr. Wilson, but it wasn't actually him. The Mr. Wilson I knew had a wider chin and a smaller nose. The strange translations from the notebook started to confuse me even more with each new page. After photographing each one, I started pacing around the room. Could this be some kind of code? And even if it was, could anyone make sense out of these meaningless sentences? Suddenly, the doorbell rang, but it was almost midnight. Who could possibly be at the door this late at night? Shortly after, my mom came to my room. Dave, Mr. Wilson is at the door? He wants to look at the box of books I bought from them. He says they may have accidentally placed something inside they didn't mean to sell. I reached down to pick up the box, quickly slipping the notebook inside without my mom seeing. Mom, I was about to go to bed. Can you take the box out to him? I said, faking a yawn. The notebook must have been really important for Mr. Wilson if he'd showed up this late at night at our doorstep. I was intrigued. Luckily, I had taken pictures of each notebook page and the photo that had been tucked inside. I had a hunch that Mr. Wilson was hiding something. My thoughts ran wild about everything until I finally drifted off to sleep. While walking to the bus stop in the morning, I got a text from Mr. Wilson. Why didn't you take out the trash? I started burning with anger, but I didn't have a choice unless I wanted to risk getting expelled from school. I ran into him as he was getting into his car. I shouldn't have to tell you to take out the trash every morning, he growled. Just do it! With that, he drove away. I was sure he was headed to school, but of course... He wasn't the kind of person to offer me a ride. Even at full sprint, I couldn't catch the bus on time, so I had to use my lunch money to catch a city bus to get to school. Even then, I was sure I'd end up arriving late. During the ride, we stopped at a red light. I caught a glimpse of Mr. Wilson at a park by the road. He wasn't headed to school after all. He was sitting on a bench holding the notebook I had seen the night before. As the bus started moving again, I couldn't help but feel like something was off. I got off at the next stop and ran back to the park where I last saw him. Thankfully, he was still there, so I decided to watch him from a distance. After a while, Mr. Wilson got up and started walking deeper into the park. He left the notebook behind on the bench. A few moments later, another man came and sat on the bench. He picked up the notebook casually, as if it belonged to him, but he didn't look inside. He just casually watched people passing by for a good while. Finally, he got up and left, taking the notebook with him why had Mr. Wilson left the notebook on the bench? Who was the guy who took the notebook? Then I remembered. I took out my phone to look at the photo I had found inside the notebook. I immediately put it through a reverse image search. I gasped when I saw the results. FBI's Most Wanted was the first one listed. I clicked on the link right away. There were lots of photos on the page. From what I could gather, these were the most dangerous criminals wanted by the FBI. When I scrolled down, I saw him, Yuri Batalov, wanted for espionage on behalf of Russia. He was adopted by a US citizen and moved to the US from Moscow. The family had been arrested for leaking information to the USSR government in the 80s. They confessed to raising Yuri as a spy, but he had disappeared without a trace. He's still a fugitive. This is the only photo we have of him. He's believed to live in the U.S. The FBI is offering a reward of $250,000 for any tips leading to his arrest. I was shocked. I found the FBI's anonymous tip line through a Google search and told them about everything I'd seen. They were immediately interested. An hour later, two FBI agents showed up. They took the photos I had of the notebook. They said, Don't speak to anyone about this matter. We'll take it from here. About a week later, we woke up to the sound of sirens. There were police cars everywhere. I ran outside. Mr. Wilson and his wife were handcuffed. I caught Mr. Wilson's gaze as he got into the police car and waved at him with a (laughs) smirk on my face. The next day, there were a lot of news stories in the media about the capture of the Russian spy Yuri Batalov, aka Mr. Wilson. Apparently, Mr. Wilson had his face changed with a series of plastic surgery procedures. That explained why the photo of his younger self didn't quite look like him. Apparently, he had still been leaking US defense secrets to Russia with the help of four other spies working under him. The notebook was how he coded the messages. That explained the gibberish in the notebook and why he gave the notebook to some stranger at the park. Someone high up at the FBI called me to thank me personally. He asked for my parents' bank account details. The $250,000 reward was deposited soon after. Thanks to my tip, Yuri Batalov, who had also been on the FBI's most wanted list for years, had been caught. The FBI asked us to keep everything secret since it wouldn't be safe for me if I was a known informant. I told my family everything. We decided to use the reward as my college fund. The FBI also gave me a medal for distinguished service. It's something I'm very proud of, even if I can't show it to anyone. Plus, I don't have to wash the Wilson's car anymore. Hi, my name is Tom,
1: and I'm the smartest guy in the country, and maybe even in the world. Don't you believe me? Let me tell you everything right now. Before, I used to be Stu... Well, let's just say not very clever, All day long, I was watching TV, playing video games, and shaking my head to hard rock, which played so loudly that the speakers were almost exploding. These were my favorite activities. I liked such life and was happy, but my parents weren't. This is because at school, I was not just among those who lagged behind, but I was the most underperforming student The principal even wanted to expel me from school dozens of times and send me to a school for mentally retarded students. But the pleas of my parents stopped him. I could not help it. The lessons seemed to me terribly long. And from calculating all kinds of numbers and memorizing the rules, I had a headache, which was so severe that sometimes I just skipped classes. Dad was really mad at me, calling me a fool Well, Mom was very worried. She even took me to the doctors who couldn't help me and prescribed me useless vitamins. Mom made me take a whole bunch of them, hoping that they would help me. But they had no effect. Once, during a regular visit to our attending physician, Mr. Stanford, an incredible thing happened. When we entered his office, Mr. Stanford was not there. Instead, there was some guy, aged about 40, who had a mustache He behaved in a strange manner and looked more like a special agent than a doctor. My mother and I were really surprised and already headed towards the exit when the doctor, a la special agent, took out some folder and threw it onto the table. The pictures of me flew out of the folder. Mom started asking a bunch of questions. But that weird guy was just standing in silence. At some point, when my mom calmed down, He loudly and clearly said that Mr. Stanford did not know how to help me, so he transferred me to more experienced specialists who were watching me in order to gather as much information as possible. The weird guy added that scientists have already invented a drug that could help me, but it was experimental and might cause side effects, so they needed our consent to use it. Mom did not listen to him, and grabbing my hand, she dragged me away from that psycho slamming the door loudly when leaving. The next day, I was sitting in the class and dreaming about how I would be injected with a secret serum and would become super strong or something like that, but this process was interrupted by the voice of my teacher, who called me to the blackboard. There was a problem on the blackboard, the simplest one, and I understood it, but my brain refused to process it. I started thinking and had a terrible headache. I blushed. While looking at this show, my classmates started laughing at me. I felt... Pain and they found it funny. They called me very unpleasant names. I won't mention them here. Then I broke down and burst into tears. After that, I rushed out of the office like a bullet and ran home. On the way, I remembered my classmates and the fact that they were always mocking and laughing at me. After opening the door of the house, I saw my mother making a pie in the kitchen. I rushed to her and hugged her tightly. I shouted that I no longer wanted to be stupid, cried, and asked to take me to that weird doctor. Mom hugged me back. She agreed. Early in the morning, we went to the hospital. While I was in the car with my mom, it seemed to me that my life would never be the same again. We went to Mr. Stanford's office, but as before, that weird doctor was sitting in his place. He handed me a piece of paper and gave me a pen for me to put a signature. The weird guy mentioned the side effects again, but I didn't listen to him. I wanted to be smart, so I signed the paper. This doctor put a small steel box on the table, then opened it with a key, which he found in his coat pocket. He took out a pill from the box and handed it to me. He gave me water to drink. The doctor said that it was allowed to take the medicine only once a day because the drug was very strong, so I would need to come there every day for a new pill. Mom was driving me to school. I thought that as soon as I took the pill, everything would change immediately, but I did not feel any changes. That was weird. When I was sitting in the classroom, the teacher called me to the blackboard again. I was afraid that I would disgrace myself once more, but the task on the blackboard was easy, and I gave a correct answer. Everyone was surprised. Then he wrote a more difficult problem. Without thinking at all, I gave the correct answer. No one in the class understood how I managed to do it. My teacher has already covered the entire blackboard with writing. There were tasks and formulas that we weren't familiar with, And teacher did not know how to solve them either because he had copied everything from the internet. I was thinking there was no headache and no one was knocking inside my head like before. It seemed that time around me slowed down a bit. It finally dawned on me that the pill started working. I gave an answer and the teacher started checking everything on the internet. At that moment... I found it funny that he did not know the answer himself. I started laughing, and my classmates were applauding me. When I got home, I tried playing video games, but now they seemed silly and too slow to me. At dinner, mom and dad were happy. They said that someone had called from school and praised me. Surprisingly, they also seemed to speak more slowly than usual. The next day, I got to the weird doctor's office. I said that the medicine worked, but I needed more of it. I demanded to give me all the pills. He asked me to note down my feelings. After I did this, he gave me one pill and water again. I felt great. At that time, I only received A's. Teachers looked stupid in front of me, as did my classmates. Due to the fact that I perfectly understood people, I knew what they wanted to say and even what they thought. And I quickly made a lot of friends. Yes, I started taking advantage of the fact that I was smarter than everyone else. I participated in all the contests, took first prizes, and even became the captain of a basketball team. Of course, that magic pill didn't make me very strong or fast, but because of my super brain, I predicted literally every step and every throw of my opponent. The rival seemed slow to me, and I understood at what angle the ball had to be thrown in order to get into the hoop. I became a school superstar. I even had my own fans. I still came to that weird doctor with a mustache every day to describe my feelings and get a magic pill. Despite the fact that I was very popular at school, I quickly got tired of it and people seemed boring to me. Just like the rest of the world, I wanted more. And I was just a favorite of the school. I wanted to study the mysteries of our planet and look for all the cures for all diseases. But for that... I needed pills. On this day, I arrived at the hospital for the pill earlier than usual. I learned a long time ago the schedule of that weird guy and knew that he was not in the office at that time. So I got there easily. His overall was hanging on the chair, and the key to the pill box was in it. I took out the box and inserted the key. When I opened it, I saw that it was full of pills, and that damn doctor gave me just one of them a day. When I took a large handful of pills, the door of the office suddenly opened. It was a doctor with the mustache. He rushed toward me, shouting, No! But it was too late. I swallowed the pills. I wanted to start laughing in his face. But I realized that he suddenly stopped. Not just stopped, but froze in a running posture. He hardly moved his lips. I looked at the clock in the corner. The second hand did not move. Has it been broken? I went outside. Cars did not move. Birds froze in the sky and did not move their wings. I ran to school. The school was full of children, but none of them moved. So I rushed home. At home, my mother stood at the stove, but she did not move at all either. I fell to my knees and started crying again. Then it finally dawned on me that it was not time that had stopped, but that I began thinking too quickly for this world. My name is Tom, and I don't want to be smart anymore. Six months have already passed. Birds began to slowly move their wings, and cars began to move a little from their places. But all this is so long. It seems it will take several more years until everything becomes as it had been before. I hope I won't go crazy with loneliness. What would you do if you became super smart? Give your answers in the comments.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?